coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast? Plunk, you know, we, we always, it's sort of like the, the funny term, we're looking for the, the perfect fly that makes that perfect plunk, that, you know, the fish, they, they hear it underwater, they come, you know, as fast as they can come up, they can find it, and um, and machaca, I mean, they're, they're incredibly fast fish, so usually it's, that fly hits the water, and within a second, you have three or four machaca just headbutting it, fighting over it, tail slapping it, it's, it's wild, and then, you know, hopefully you get a, another cast or two in there before you hook up. That was Tom Anderlin describing how to entice machaca, the jungle, roosters, and tarpon today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Did you know you can follow the show right now uh, if you're using Apple Podcasts? Real easy way, if you haven't followed the show, you'll get updated when that next episode goes live, and we've got them going live. We're trying to get these going live uh, at least a couple times a week, if not more, so click that follow button, and you'll get updated soon. Today's episode is sponsored by Stonefly Nets, putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets. When Ethan designs your net, it's his hope and goal to help you create lasting memories for years to come. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash stonefly right now. That's S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y to support this podcast and a really great company. We're also sponsored by Trestle today. Designing, engineering, and manufacturing industry-leading outdoor products and premium apparel. They've got a lot of good stuff going. They've got the telescopic fly rod. They've got specialized waterproof cases, boxes, nippers. Uh, they got the bike stuff going on now. You can check it all out right now. Wetflyswing.com slash Trestle. That's T-R-X-S-T-L-E. You support this podcast and Trestle by clicking through that link. Tom Enderlin is here to take us into the diversity of fishing Costa Rica. We find out which species they focus on and some tips on targeting those species. Find out whether monkeys are something to get fired up about. We have a little conversation there about uh, what happens when a monkey uh, comes into your room. And uh, we also talk about these fruit-eating fish that you catch on this crazy fly. This one seems pretty doable, Costa Rica. So without further ado, here he is, Tom Enderlin. How's it going, Tom? It's going great, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. I've been a fan of the show for a long time, so it's wonderful to be here talking to you today. Amazing. Yeah, I appreciate that. This It's been, uh, it's always cool to hear. Sometimes I'll do shout outs on an episode a lot of times at the end to see who's listening. And I'll say, hey, give a shout out uh, on social media, send me a DM, you know, and I'll forget that I do that. And then I'll, I'll get these DMs from, in, you know what I mean, from people that are like, oh yeah, just just found the show two days ago. You know what I mean? It's, it's The podcasting space is cool because it's still growing, you know, probably like like a good business, right? You got a lot of, a lot of room for growth ahead of you. But we're going to talk about some on your business. Costa Rica is one of those places where, uh, you know, I want to get to, and I think probably a lot of people would love to get. We're going to break that down and dig into some of those crazy species out there. But uh, before we get there, talk about how you first got into fly fishing. Then we'll take it into Costa Rica. Um, first got into fly fishing. I, I mean, I, I started fishing when I was really young. Really nobody other than my my mom's dad, who's Swiss. My my grandfather is, is into fishing. So it was one of those things that for some weird reason I was just drawn to. I, as a little boy, I always had a net, and then I, I progressed into having a rod. Um, and I actually didn't start fly fishing until I was in, in college. I went to school in, 
in Rhode Island where there was amazing, um, I mean, pretty good trout fishing, but amazing striped bass fishing. Um, so just drawn to the ocean, drawn to those opportunities and, um, and just being interested in, in what fly fishing is, you know, looking at the, the natural world in a different way, um, trying to analyze whatever that, that species that you're chasing is eating, making the flies. I, it just, it, it really called to me and I, I, I picked it up and it's been sort of a hundred percent ever since. So you've been going and, and you, uh, so from Rhode Island, um, so take us there. So, so you're Rhode Island doing the striped bass thing. How does how do you come to where you're now, like the Costa Rica and well, really the with your travel company, you're all over right all over the world. Yeah, no, all over Latin America for sure. But um, so Rhode Island, besides fishing, I did a lot of surfing, and obviously Costa Rica has amazing surfing, world class. So I, since the age of about 15, I always came down to Costa Rica, did surf trips, and I just it was one of those places that also just you know called me, brought me in. Um, pretty much every year I was down here. And then when I graduated from college, I, I really didn't have too much direction. I was a, a philosophy and marine biology major. So, you know, it's one of those things, if you want to be a beach bum, it's, it's perfect. Uh, it's a perfect background, but otherwise I, I was sort of lost and looking and, um, I got an opportunity to come down here and work for uh, a big coffee company as an intern. And that internship, it was, it was meant to be three months. Uh, I, I basically finished the work after about a month. And I talked to the owner and I just said, what else can I do? Um, and he got me involved in tourism and I ended up spending two and a half years here in Costa Rica and just learning everything about the tourism market. Um, really nothing fishing related, but um, but everything else. And then from there, I, I left again. I, I went to Europe. I, I worked actually as a commodities trader, as a coffee trader. Um, and then I joined an, a conservation organization called the Rainforest Alliance. And I worked with them in their tourism program for for a number of years, but as sort of luck would have it, I, I met my wife who's Costa Rican. Um, and then I moved back down to Costa Rica and just, you know, wanted to combine all my passions. Um, that's where fly fishing Costa Rica was born and, and the outfitter that I have now. Oh, wow. There it is. And you were, and during the, all that time when you're doing the coffee and rain for, you know, rainforest lines, were you also doing a little bit of fly fishing for some of those species down there? Oh, well, uh, not so much Costa Rica, but when I was uh, a coffee trader, I was actually living in London, England, and I joined a, a club called the, the Fly Fishers Club, London Fly Fishers Club, and um, that gave me amazing opportunities to fish all those chalk streams over there and sort of all over Europe. I did a lot of traveling, so I was extended by a day or two and, and fished the different rivers and, and places they can fish in that part of the world, and um, yeah, obviously when I came back here, I just started just diving on everything that Costa Rica is and all the, the cool species that, that can be caught here. And um, yeah, it's a wonderful country to just sort of travel around with a fly rod. Yeah. And, and what is, the, I was thinking about this, you know, the Costa Rica, what makes it unique? Because we talked kind of off air about Ecuador. We had an episode 242 where a friend of mine, we, we dug into Ecuador and it's really, he's down in the jungle. It's It's kind of cool and crazy. But uh, talk about Costa Rica. Is it a lot different than some of the other kind of Central American, Latin American uh, places? Because it's kind of, is it not Americanized or what, how do you describe that? Um, it's maybe a little bit Americanized because there's so many expats that live here. But I would say that the main difference that Costa Rica has over all the, the Central American neighbors is, is it's just so peaceful and happy. I mean, it, it, it consistently is in the the... the uh, world happiness or planet happiness index is one of the happiest countries in the world. Um, and then also in terms of just peace 
peaceful people, peaceful government. Uh, Costa Rica abolished their their national army in 1949, so we oh. haven't had an army for years. And I, I think that that whole way of life and that that way of thinking towards your your neighbor and your fellow man has has really been ingrained in the culture. Um, Costa Rica's na- national motto is "Pura Vida," which is pure life. So I, I think just everything combined, it's just a a happy, friendly place. I mean, the Ticos are, are very upbeat and fun and and friendly people. And, and I, I think that's sort of the, the one thing that makes Costa Rica so different from from some of the neighbors. It's just a, a very unique place in that sense. Wow. Wow. That is, I mean, especially at this day, well, just the world, but at this day and age, you know what I mean? Like with everything that's going on, you know what I mean? There's some countries like Costa Rica with without an army is pretty amazing. Like, like that's just, uh, it's, it's almost hard to comprehend, right? Knowing where if you're kind of U.S. based or whatever, you know, or even places around the world, right? Where you're like, oh my, you're, all this war and stuff. Um, but yeah, For so sure. that, that's, yeah. that's it. So that one powerful thing is that, do you think that's the biggest thing that kind of Roy, that creates that whole uh, mentality of kind of, like you said, the happiest place? I mean, the happiest place, but I, I think also living in Costa Rica. I mean, I, Costa Rica is known for the biodiversity that it has here, and there are so many national parks, but then there are also so many beautiful beaches. And, and really, as you drive around Costa Rica, even just, I, I mean, I, I, I'm based here in the Central Valley, which is where the capital San Jose is, and that's, that's really where most people fly into when they come to Costa Rica. Um, even, even driving around here, I mean, you look up into the mountains, it's surrounded in volcanoes. They're just, right now during the rainy season, crazy cloud formations every day, great sunsets. And I, I think the whole country is just... It's one of those places that you just you're in awe just by living here, um, you know. And then besides that, great fruit, great food, um, you know, just just a nice place to live. And I, I think that that people really embrace that, and and it, it shows in in the way they they live their lives. There you go. And and they mentioned the coffee too. We might, if we have time at the end, we might dig into uh, the coffee. Uh, a quick shout out to Angler's Coffee, who is uh, creating some good coffee too. I love the. The, the story, I mean, coffee's huge, right? So it's a gigantic industry, but um, maybe we'll save that for a little bit later. But let's get into a little bit of the Costa Rica kind of species and a kind of a year in review sort of thing. And if you imagine, you know, t- let's just start with maybe it's like mid-July into August and we'll kind of take it around the horn a little bit. Uh, and you've got a lot of species, obviously. There's a bunch of amazing species, but let's start with the, the timing. What's going on if you just start out like right now? What are you guys up to now over there? So right now we're preparing. This is the start of our rainy season. So all the rivers get flooded. Um, basically, the entire country has rain every day or every afternoon. Um, and, and really, what we're what we're getting into right now is um, our our main program at this time of year, which is the Jungle Tarpon Reserve. Um, it's an area where tarpon, adult tarpon, migrate up a river about 250 kilometers. So they're in completely fresh water. It's um, it's a sort of flooded delta where there are lagoons, there's river, and they just go up there to feed. I mean, it's just an amazing ecosystem um, surrounded in pristine rainforest. I mean, it's one of those places they, you know, you first look at it and you're like, there's no way a tarpon is here. And then all of a sudden, you know, one blasts bait underneath the tree or one rolls right in front of you. Wow. These are um, big tarpon? These are, I mean, they range. I, we've, we've had some uh, biologists come down and look at them, and they're just amazed because we have from 20-pounders up to well over 200-pound fish. So it's, it's, it's the full range, and, and we had a couple of biologists come down and just, they couldn't believe that the, the small ones were also migrating with the big ones. And, but, but it's the type of place that during the dry season, the river's completely dry and has no tarpon. So it's it's definitely a migration. It's a, a very unique place. And then besides the tarpon, I mean, 
there are monkeys everywhere. There are birds. It's one of those places that you hook a tarp and all of a sudden the howler monkeys just go nuts, you know, up in a wow. tree above you and, and parrots are, are, are flying around. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing place to, to fish. Jeez, that's it. So, and you're saying, so basically now, you know, you're kind of in, in the June, so into July, August. So, it, and when does the rainy season, when does that slow down? The, the rainy season slows down in November. Um, and then we have our dry season from December until about April. And that time of year, it's, it's great fishing in some of the rivers. That's when things dry out. So we can fish, uh, machaca, which is our, our, our fruit and flower eating fish. It's, it's related to piranha. So imagine a fish that, that looks a little bit like a shad. It's a little bit more colorful. And then its mouth is just filled with these piranha teeth and they're, they're hundred percent vegetarian. So they, hmm. They, they find the, the fruiting trees or the flowering trees, and they just concentrate underneath those trees. And, and we fish those fish with, um, with drift boats. So you, you just you oh, wow. float down a river, uh, jungle river, same type of thing, just in- incredible ecosystem to look at. And you're looking for these fruit trees. Um, your, your guide points, find out, okay, here comes one up, you know, river left. Cast your, your fruit fly or whatever you're, you're fishing with underneath that thing, and then and boom, you know, the, the entire school of, of Machaca just exploded on that. So that's one of the fish that we fish in the summer. Um, we have up in the highlands, and this is an introduced species, but they've become wild, and they're just incredible to catch as well, rainbow trout. Hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of available year-round, but during the summer, that's when the river gets really nice and low and clear. and um, It's just little pocket water streams uh, surrounded in cloud forests, an amazing place to, to fish as well. And then that time of year also has uh, pretty good inshore and offshore fishing in the Pacific. So inshore, snapper, roosterfish, uh, jacks, those types of species. And then if you go a little bit more offshore, um, that's, that's sailfish season. Sailfish. God, that's so you got it all. So you got, now just looking back, we've had, we've kind of touched on a little bit of all these uh, species for the most part, you know, in different parts of the world, really. But we did have the, uh, we did do a uh, kind of a sailfish uh I mean, that, that's a whole different world, right? That's like talking about that. So I'm gonna, we're going to kind of take this one and see where we go. And we might dig into a species, you know, as we go here. But just for you, when you think about it, what is, you know, I mean, obviously you, you might have, you do it all, so it's maybe hard to tell. But if, if you had to pick one species, what's the one that, you, you know, you're most interested in? Um, I mean, there are just so many amazing fish to catch here. I, and, and they're major bucket list fish, you know, tarpon and blue marlin and sailfish and roosterfish. Yeah, and I've caught all those, and and they're all incredible. But I I, I think that the the one fish, and it, it's kind of funny, but it's the one fish if I had to choose um, from all of them, it's it's fishing a, a fish called the the dipimachin or the mountain mullet, hmm. and and we fish that in our dry season. It's imagine like a small prehistoric looking mullet. I, I mean, it's its scales are a little bit like the fall fish, I guess, and. Um, and we fish them with with skated uh, skated little poppers and hoppers, and they're just you know for a six inch fish for a, a ten inch fish they are the most powerful little things. They live in the fastest parts of the uh, of these freestone streams, and they're just a, a blast to catch. I mean, there's so much fun. Light rods, summertime, so the rivers are crystal clear. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's it's an unusual one to pick out of all of them, but but that's the one that we're we're currently fixated on. Gotcha. And, and you mentioned roosters and all that stuff, which is another popular. What do you think is about when people come up to you? Tarpon obviously is huge, but when they're, they call you or they sign up a form and you're talking to them, what do you think they're thinking? Like, what's the species they're thinking about? 
I mean, it really depends because a lot of people, they come down here with their families, they come down here with their spouses, um, with their kids, and, and they want to do day trips. So I, I, for the day trips, um, one of the greatest things you can fish is machaca. It's a great thing if you've never fly fished. They're very forgiving. Um, obviously, if they're waiting for fruit to fall out of a tree, your, your presentation doesn't have to be perfect. So that's one of the ones that, you know, if they just want to fish a day, it's machaca, maybe rainbow trout, it's a little bit more sort of uh, known from home. And then if people want to do multi-days, it, it, it depends on what time of year. I, I think that the, the ocean fishing in the Pacific is amazing um, pretty much all year. But, you know, obviously there are the highlights for sailfish. Marlin fishing way offshore is incredible from May until, I guess, November. And then obviously tarpon fishing. I mean, we have our, our fall, fall tarpon season when whether it's the river or the ocean, I mean, there are famous rivers like the Colorado, like the Tortuguero. Um, those rivers are just incredible. I, I mean, they have probably some of the highest concentrations of big tarp in, in the world. I, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's mind boggling some days when you're out there seeing the, the number of tarpon that you see eating or rolling. Um, so it really depends on what they're looking for, their, their experience level. And I, I think Costa Rica really has a little bit for everybody. Yeah, it seems like it would be hard to choose, but I guess I'm just kind of thinking out loud. I think, you know, the jungle seems like, you know, that would be one place because then you're up there and you're you're actually seeing some monkeys and you're seeing the, you know, I, I know you've seen some jaguars out there and stuff. So you've got all that. Um, if you were, let's just take it to that. Let's just say we're looking at December, you know, that winter or December through January through April, your uh, dry season, um, which is a lot of times the, you know, up here, the, the colder season. So what would be, uh, is it machacha? Machaca, machaca. Machaca, yeah, machaca. Yeah. If you're going for that species, what would be the, uh, you know, the best time to, to hit those up? Um, well, we have two different types of machaca in Costa Rica. We have uh, one that lives in the Caribbean basin and one that lives in the Pacific. So I would say, you know, you really have to look more at what's in, in fruit or what's in flower at that time of year. Um, so really March, April for a, a certain type of tree called the espavel, which is the wild cashew. That's the time you want to fish them in the, in the Pacific. Um, they, they really focus in on that, that particular tree. There are a lot of, a lot of those types of trees in some of the rivers that we fish. Um, so it's really just, uh, you know, it's, it's bouncing down the river from tree to tree, catching, catching machaca that are just ready to eat. That's all they want to do. Um, and then in terms of the Caribbean basin, we have the same thing going with a, with a fish or with a fruit called chilamate. Um, and they're starting to come into harvest right now. And that lasts until probably I'd say early October. So, and, and really what's, what's amazing is that Costa Rica is so small. It's, it's mega diverse. I mean, there's a lot going on, but it's, it's really small and easy to get around. So you can be in San Jose and you can shoot down to the Caribbean for a day. You can shoot down to the Pacific for a day. So um, sorry, I keep on sort of like expanding or avoiding your questions, but, oh, yeah. but really it's, it's one of those things that Costa Rica has just so much going on that, that any time of year can be good. And any, any time of year can, right. can, you can find that corner of the country that maybe has a little bit of a, you know, a, a little bit of a dry period because that's the other thing. There are a lot of different, um, ecosystems and there are a lot of different microclimates that, that you can target depending on the time of year. Yeah. That's right. No, that's and it, it's hard because yeah, there's there's just so much going on. And it's if it's not just one species, you guys have throughout the whole year. It sounds like you can find some whether that's up in the mountains, like you're saying for rainbow trout. So in the time when it's rainy and crazy, like maybe lower down, 
you got, or let's see, is that is that right? So rainbow, let's let's just take it to the rainbow really quick. When is that? When is that time? When would be the the one time if you had a, a few weeks to hit? Uh, the rainbow trout all year, but I would say probably during our dry season is the best time to go. Um, I mean, the rivers are crystal clear, really low. Um, you're, you're not going to get rain down in the afternoons, and um, and the rainbows. I mean, they're wild, they're beautiful, uh, full of par marks. I mean, they're just really incredible fish, and they've actually oddly evolved these really big eyes they almost have like frog froggy eyes and i don't know if it's just the the characteristics of the rivers that they live in i mean they're really clear um maybe it's just that they don't have that much food so they really have to be opportunistic when they when they actually find some but um but they're incredible fish and so i I would say rainbow trout fishing probably during our dry season um one of the things that also is a lot of fun during our dry season is trying to just focus on diversity I, i think that those are our most enjoyable trips for everybody where instead of focusing on just rainbows or just machaca, you do a trip that you kind of, you go around the country, you do a couple days of saltwater, a couple days of cloud forests and rainbows. Then you shoot down to the lowland rivers and, and target machaca. Now Um, you're talking, now you're talking. Oh, for sure. For sure. And (laughs) and the the Costa Rica grand slam is actually a tarpon, a trout and a billfish. Oh wow. So that's, um, that's a great trip. I mean, it's a lot of fun. You can only do it certain times of year, but at the same time, it's just one of those fly fishing odysseys that you do a little bit of everything. I mean, every species that you're targeting is so different, but at the same time, you're within a relatively small geographic range. So it's all accessible within a week. So the Grand Slam, and remind me again, what is the Grand Slam? The, what species? It is, it's a tarpon in the Caribbean, a rainbow trout up in the cloud forest, and a billfish, so a sailfish or a marlin in the Pacific. Right, gotcha. So you're going to get... Um... So you're going to get some jungle action uh, on that. Oh, for sure. And and yeah. see so many parts of the country as you go. You know, you, you drive through the mountains, you drive all over the place, and you, you encounter a lot of great people and, and a lot of great food, and you see a lot of amazing wildlife. So it's it's just one of those amazing trips that yeah, definitely, definitely one of the, the once-in-a-lifetime things that people should do. This episode is sponsored by Lake Lady Rods, a distinctive custom rod, each created one at a time. Custom built to be the exact specifications for you. This is all based on a little formula that Chris has going where he kind of measures your uh, your body features and puts it all together. I uh, recently had um, the rod that uh, Chris crafted for me and designed it specifically. And I can tell you it was definitely nice to have on the water. Was casting some, uh, some steel water flies and I was shooting a ton of line with that four weight. It's a nine foot four weight, but uh, it was also cool just to kind of have the beautiful, always looking at it. You know what I mean? You got that rod. That's the bonus of having a cool custom rod is is when you're not catching fish, you're sitting there checking out the handle, uh, checking out the jungle cock inlays, uh, all the good stuff Chris has going. So we'd love it if you can support Chris, a local company uh, doing great things. He's doing these things one at a time. He also restores and builds bamboo rods, uh, does conventional gear. He's got a little bit of everything going on. So check it out right now. That's uh, wetflyswing.com slash lake lady, L-A-K-E-L-A-D-Y to support this podcast and a really great rod company. Okay, so, and again, I keep going back to the, the wintertime, our wintertime, because that's always a good time to get out. So if you were just picking a, a period, just say it's, a, say we're looking at like the, uh, you know, December, January, February, somewhere in there, let's just say it's January. So what would that trip look like if we were setting up right now something for January? Um, talk about that a little bit. How, how would we set up? What, what do we do here? 
I mean, for me, I always lean towards diversity unless people are really focused on one thing. Um, our rainy season, kind of the only thing other than marlin way offshore in the Pacific is tarpon. So that's why we have longer tarpon programs. But if we were looking at January, I would say um, just looking at diversity, I mean, maybe doing a couple days of uh, machaca floats, uh, a couple days of uh, saltwater. So whether it's inshore for roosters or offshore for sailfish. Um, and then shooting up to the cloud forest and doing some wet wading and, and catching some rainbows. That's it. And, and doing the rainbows. And that would all be, so if we were to say, you know, we had an open time in January to say, you know, we're going to come up there for a week. Is that typically what most people do or come up for about a week? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that you end up, I mean, if you come in on Saturday, you leave on Sunday, you fish every environment, probably two days. You definitely have enough time to fish everything. It's it's easy to get around, so it, it's not that you have to take flights internally or anything like that. Oh, right. You know, you drive in the afternoons or you drive in the evenings, and and you have plenty of time to fish and, and explore. And are you guys doing this thing? Is this a thing where we're going to, like, a lodge, or how does that look? Um, yeah, mainly lodges. I mean, we have some areas that we work a little bit more with communities, but um, but it's mainly lodges taking you to, to lodges that we've worked with for a long time that are fly fisherman friendly or, you know, well located right near the beach or right near the, the river. Yeah. So that's it. So, so if you came in and again, setting up this trip, so we're going to, you know, fly into, uh, basically like the like you said, the city that you're in there, um, yep, and then San Jose from, yeah, San Jose. And then you're going to basically what, just, just drive out from there or take it out. So let's just, let's put the trip together real quick here. Let's just say we're, we're flying into San Jose on, on Saturday and, uh, and we're there. What's the, what's the next step? Well, I mean, people are coming from the wintertime. Normally, they're coming from the northern, northern hemisphere. So usually the first thing that we, we focus on is rainbow trout. It's just, um, you know, it's not getting right down into the, the tropical lowlands. It's, it's sort of a, an easy intro. And it's something that people are familiar with. So from San Jose, uh, those, those streams, those rivers are about two and a half hours. So it's easy to get to fish there for a couple of days. Then you shoot down to the coast. Um, you can either do machaca then if you want to do the float trips. Uh, we have rivers available um, sort of all over the Pacific area. And then um, and then going offshore, inshore, and catching some of the, the bigger saltwater species. So it's it's sort of a, a loop that you do starting the mountains. San Jose is also in the mountains. So it's mountains down to the coast. And then you come back up to the mountains and, and fly home. Yeah, right, right. So and let me get this right. So we were starting in the rainbow and then the machaca is the float trip. How does that, so drift boats and why are you guys using, uh, these are drift boats like your typical, like you'd see up in the States? No, we're using, um, I mean, yeah, similar, but, um, they're not wooden drift boats or fiberglass. They're, they're basically whitewater rafts with fishing frames and you just float down the river. I mean, it's, it's sort of similar to streamer fishing, I guess, where you just, you know, you're, you're throwing pretty heavy floating lines and pretty heavy fruit flies. We make a lot of our flies either out of wood or out of cork, uh, painted green. And you just, you know, really short leader, just trying to pluck plunk. You know, we, we always, it's sort of like the, the funny term we're looking for the the perfect fly that makes that perfect plunk that, you know, the fish, they, they hear it underwater. They come, you know, as fast as they can come up, they can find it. And, um, and my chuck, I mean, they're, they're incredibly fast fish. So usually it's, that fly hits the water, and within a second, you have three or four machaca just headbutting it, fighting over it, tail <laughs> slapping it. It's it's wild, and then you know, hopefully, you get a, another cast or two in there before you hook up. Right, and what's the what's the fight like when they when they hit it? 
they're very um, hard fighting. It's the rivers have a lot of current, so you know they have broad, big heads. They they dig into the the current a little bit. Um, they jump. I mean, they they'll they'll use every dirty trick they can. If they find a log, they try to get into it. And um, but they're I mean, it's one of those fish. It's it's almost so ugly that it, its ugliness makes it beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know the the <laughs> big teeth and the big eye, and they're they're sort of like a you know a combined green and red and. And silver, and then they have a lot of different colors going on throughout their body, depending on the river, of course. I mean, some are a little right. bit more silvery, some are a little bit more colored. But yeah, they're they're truly a special fish. And and machaca, you know, Costa Rica, it's that's sort of our I I, I don't want to say our national freshwater fish, but it's one of the fish that is very unique to this part of the world. So we're definitely uh, very proud of of the machaca, and we we like to share it with people. Yeah, no, it sounds all. And they get well, how big do they get? They're just like a couple pounds. No, they. I mean. A big machaca, a really nice machaca, you know, they started around five pounds, but oh, they wow. grew up to 10 pounds. And then you hear stories of locals talking about even bigger, the, you know, a, a random photo of, of some friend of a friend who caught one that was 12 pounds or 15 pounds. But, but typically what you can expect is anywhere from sort of two pounds to maybe five or six pounds, depending on the river. Two pounds, but yeah, that's, that's pretty good. So, and what is the, what's the gear looking like? What, if you're, well, just just taking in general Costa Rica, what, what sort of rods should you be bringing in lines? So I guess if we're going to follow that trip, I, starting up in the, the, the cloud forest, you would, you would start light. So, um, rods, traditional fly rods up to three, um, or 10 car, depending on what you like. Um, then shooting down to Machaca, you'd, you'd fish, uh, anywhere from a six to an eight weight with a floating line. And then... Saltwater, if you're fishing roosters, it, it's 10, it's 11. If you go a little bit more offshore for the billfish, I mean, you're, depending on whether or not you're, you're chasing sailfish or marlin, I mean, you, for marlin, up to 16 weights for sailfish, you can right. go, go 12 to 14. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that stuff, I mean, we, we have a lot of the gear, so a lot of times people just show up with, with nothing other than just a, a willingness to explore and, and go out and have an adventure, and, and we provide a lot of that, that tackle. So, I mean, that's another way to sort of uh, do that trip without having to invest in, in a whole bunch of different different rods and reels and lines and everything. There you go. Yeah, and I was just looking back at the episode. It was uh, Jake Jordan was talking about the uh, the billfish, and he was talking about that on the gear too because I guess, right, it can really thrash your gear. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. And yeah, it's, right? it's so specialized too that yeah, you know, it, it's one of those rods that unless you're really into that type of fishing, you may only use it once once in your lifetime. So Yeah, exactly. So it's the... Like you said, three three weight, a three weight or a six, to maybe a seven weight. Maybe bring up like a three weight and a seven weight, and then you'd be covered for most of the the jungle stuff. For sure, and, and some of the the smaller species, uh, the dipping machines, some of the cichlids that we catch in the the lowland river wet weighting, that's also three weight. So it's it's basically like a, you know, the equivalent of of trout fishing, but but in a tropical environment. Yeah, that's right. And did you guys have uh, on? Did you have some film? I thought I saw a film on uh, Machaca out there. Yeah, yeah, that that was our film. That was in uh, the I think twenty twenty F three T. Yeah, uh, it's called Machaca Botanical Tale. That's that's now on our Vimeo and sort of all over the place. It's it's free. So oh, if you look for that, if you if you Google Machaca Botanical Tale, I'm sure it'll come up. And and yeah, that that gives you a def a definite idea of what the Machaca is. We really for that film, we tried to focus on the fish instead of the angler. Uh -huh. And and really do sort of a little bit more life cycle on the on the fish. We actually, uh, as we started doing the film, we we wanted to have a a David Attenborough uh, type voice as the narrator. 
uh-huh. and in the end we we chose against it but at the same time if you watch it it's, it's definitely a little bit of a you know a, a planet earth planet earth mixed with a with a fly fishing film oh perfect yeah and i love planet earth was amazing i remember when that came out at the time that was like a game changer for yeah, sure the, yeah those, the video. those yeah yeah all those series are amazing Nice. So, okay. So we got the trip. We're kind of putting this together here. We're, we're starting out, like you said, on Saturday, heading up. And then, so after that, you start out with rainbow up in the mountains, up in the cloud forest, where are we coming back to? What's that look like at night? What you're coming back to a place up in the mountains. It's, it's a very, I mean, it's, it's very cold at night. It's a cloud forest environment. Um, I mean, cold for Costa Rica. I, I shouldn't say cold because if right. people are flying in from, from the Rockies, I mean, that's, that's real cold, yeah. but, um, but it gets down to sort of like low 50s at night. Um, it's very quaint and beautiful, this valley. There are a lot of um, orchards with, with different fruit trees, northern fruit trees like apricots or, or apples. Um, and then a lot of the, the lodging, I mean, there are a lot of different cabinas and things like that that, that have a fireplace. I mean, it, it's a really, it's a fun place to be. And then the other draw to that area, it's a major bird watching hub. And there's a, a bird that lives there. It's called the Resplendent Quetzal. And um, imagine sort of a crow-sized bird with a four-foot green tail, and the whole thing is sort of green and red in the body. I mean, it's just an impressive bird to see. And, and a lot of times at that time of year, we see them when we're fishing. So it's um, so that's that's another sort of amazing little thing about Costa Rica. Really, everywhere you go, um, you you have the opportunity to see incredible wildlife, whether it's birds or or monkeys. In our jungle tarpon reserve area, I mean, we have a, a major jaguar camera trap study going on. And at any given time, I mean, if someone wants to see a jaguar track, I, I can't definitely can't guarantee a jaguar, but jaguar tracks are super easy to find. We have lots of jags in that area, so it's 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 a cool mm-hmm. place to to fish because you never know what's going to pop out. Right, yeah, that's a cool thing. The the cats are amazing because it's just like out you know up here, right, with cougars. I mean, they're they're all over the place, but yep. you don't you don't ever see them. Right. You, yeah, you, no, might, I, you might see, you might be lucky to see one in your lifetime, but that, but they're, they're out there. They're just very stealthy. They see you, but they won't let you yeah, see them. It's, it's exactly. almost one of those things where the, the spirit of the animal allows you to see it. Yeah. Yeah. You ever get that, you get that feeling, right? You probably get it all the time where you're walking through the jungle. You're like, man, it feels like something big is looking at me, right? Is watching me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in there most days during the week, I mean, we have uh, about 20 camera traps, so I, I constantly have to go in and just check cards and whatever else. And there are definitely moments early in the morning, late in the evening, where the hair on the back of your neck stands up and it's like, okay, is someone here with me or something here with me? Yeah. And what is the camera? So what are you doing with the cameras there? Describe that. Um, it's a study that we have with the National Park. It's basically just trying to review general biodiversity. I mean, obviously focused on jaguars. I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed, as I'm sure most of my clients can vouch for. Um, but we're just trying to figure out what the biodiversity numbers of, of terrestrial mammals are in that area. So we, we have all kinds of things. I mean, we have, you know, starting small, different types of opossums. We have, um, you know, different types of smaller porcupines, um, different things, raccoons, and then another, something like a raccoon, uh, a guatemundi, which is, imagine a raccoon with a, a really long uh, uh, sort of striped tail. Mm. And then we have anteaters, we have, you know, different herbivores, and then uh, a couple different types of cats. And some of those cats, I mean, they're, there's one big male, um, he, he's on the camera traps almost every day, and then a couple females in his territory. I mean, it's it's pretty special. Um, also ocelots, pumas. Oh, right. So the, the, whole, the whole range of, of rainforest species. 
That's right. And, and of course, the, the monkeys is always like the X factor, right? You've got the the monkeys would be that that's the one thing. That's the species that what talk about that a little bit. How many is that pretty diverse as far as the different species up there? In that area, I mean, Costa Rica has four different ones. In that area, we have three different ones. And, and that's sort of the other fun thing that we do every day. We try to get the monkey grand slam. So we look for all three species. And a lot of times you'll, you'll get two, but then you're missing one. Let's say the howler monkey. And you can hear it in the distance. Like, okay, where's that howler? Where's that howler? But yeah, we have a, a white-faced capuchins, which is, that's the smallest monkey. Definitely the sort of the most aggressive, the most sort of like clever and slightly evil. Um, oh, right. Then we have the howler monkey. Uh, they're vegetarians, so they're a little bit more lethargic. Their their sound is is incredible, but besides that, they they sleep for most of the day. And then you have the spider monkey, which is you know long long limbs, long tail. They swing through the trees. Um, I think it's the the second fastest monkey. Um, I think the gibbon is number one, and then the the spider monkey. The way they move through the trees is number two in, in terms of speed. Oh wow! Um, and you'll see in that area, especially you'll see, I mean countless monkeys every day it's one of those those things i fish all over the the world in different jungle environments and and you always look into the trees and it's like where are the monkeys here and then you, you realize how special it is back here in costa rica oh wow one of the the special parts of costa rica when you're you know early in the morning sort of five o'clock you know you have to get on the boat at five thirty or whatever time and and you start to stir in bed and all of a sudden you hear the howler monkeys just way off in the distance and then a little bit closer and so there are there are tons of monkeys and yeah it's 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 a very like high likelihood that you will see them traveling around Costa Rica. And on the monkeys, is this one of those things where you're you're sleeping there and you wake up in the middle of the night and there's a monkey sitting on the end of your bed screwing with you? <laughs> no, not not quite like that. These guys they they respect boundaries a little bit more, so they they <laughs> keep to their trees as long as you keep to your your bed. <laughs> that's like the worst nightmare is is to wake up and have a monkey messing with you, right? Because they're pretty they're pretty intelligent. Oh yeah, they're pretty intelligent. They're um. What is something you see out there? What's something you see just daily when you see these monkeys that you're like, oh, wow, that thing is, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not your normal, you know, animal, mammal you see out there. Besides the monkeys? No, like when you see these monkeys, what are they doing that just makes them so kind of more, you know what I mean? I mean, they're obviously human light, right? They're, but what, what, what's something you see on a daily basis that they're doing that's just kind of blows you away? I mean, the howlers, they, they're usually up in the trees and they call and that's, that's impressive on its own. Uh, the spider monkeys... They're just so agile, but I, I, the ones that, I mean, they definitely are, you, you look at them and they, you can just see their personalities. You can see they're a little bit conniving. And if they could get down to the boat and steal, you know, a drink out of your cooler, oh. they, they would. That's the, the white-faced capuchins. Um, and, I mean, you, you look at all their faces, they, they all have different looks. They, you know, they'll stare at you and the eyebrows start going up and down. And I mean, it, it's a very funny monkey because, you know, there's a lot going on upstairs. Yeah, I and I just I always go back to we had this episode on with uh, Lewis Cahill from Kink and Gasoline, mm, mm-hmm. and he and he tells this story about uh, and I can't remember the monkeys they were they I guess they were bigger or whatever but they were doing some photo shoot with like the few monkeys like in a controlled environment, but he tells this story of these you could see it in the video because they recorded it all but they schemed as a group and they're they're a really I think they're a real aggressive type of monkey. And anyways, within a second, they one of the monkeys distracted the camera person or the t- the person in charge, and they jumped across the room and, and like literally almost ripped his arm off. Wow, wow. Yeah, and they attacked him, and they, it was like they were trying to kill him. It was like you could see in the video, you could see how they were like looking at each other, like okay, ready, go, and, and they and they like distracted everybody and they tried to kill Lewis, and it was like this story. So you just realize, like, man, these are smart animals, but they're also 
very, uh, they can be dangerous, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Luckily, the Costa Rican monkeys are as peaceful as the Costa Rican people. So, <laughs> All right. yeah, there, there's there no go. threat of getting attacked by monkeys, but um, <laughs> they'll, they'll come down, they'll look at you and, and sort of yeah. try to figure out what you are and what you're doing in their environment. Right, right. This is awesome. Okay, so so we're painting the picture a little bit. I want to go through just a quick little, you know, a little day here. So you mentioned five thirty. So if we're getting up, um, hitting for the uh, Machaca, and so you're getting up early. Are you getting up early for those guys as well? Because you're doing the boat thing. Um, you're doing yeah, you're doing the the, the float trip. So I, I mean, it's really best early in the morning or late in the evening. Um, the float trips, depending on the river, they they range from sort of five to seven hours. Okay. So, I mean, if you start early, you you end up, um, you know, finishing your day around lunchtime, or you you can do lunch on the river and then float into the evening. Um, but but yeah, the, the extremes of the day is when they tend to be the most active, and um, and you just you float all day. Sometimes we stop and we'll have some fruit on a beach or or, or a swim. I mean, the the rivers are are so incredible for, for swimming as well. So that's a good way to escape the heat for a couple minutes and and cool off and get ready to keep casting. Right, right. So, so there's no problem jumping in the water. It's all all good there. I mean, there are crocs, but I, the crocs I don't think have any interest in in eating people. I I think that they're really focused on fish. So they're friendly too. They're they're all happy. They're too. They're, they're peaceful crocs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. This is good. Okay, so basically, you got the float trip, and and you're kind of waking up early. Uh, hitting that on the river all day and then you wrap that up and like you're saying if this was a trip where you're doing a week or, or 10 days you'd be kind of spending a couple days and maybe in each of those spots so you'd have maybe a couple nights sort of thing yep. at, at yep. one location a couple nights in each location and then um depending on how you want to do sail sailfish or marlin marlin we actually go anywhere from 40 to 120 miles offshore uh, we have these seamounts out there that are just incredible for for fly marlin which they're they're still very, very big fish. I mean, ranging from 80 to 300 pounds, but, but definitely, you know, the, the modern fly rods up to 16 weight, they're, they're capable of landing those fish. Um, so that's sometimes sitting on a sport fisher or just, uh, you know, returning after sail fishing every day and, and finding some beautiful Costa Rican eco lodge and, and spending the night there. Right. And, and then, like you said, if you wanted to, you could plan your trip. You could just say, I want to go for tarpon and just fish for tarpon the whole time. Is that, is that true? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We do a lot of week-long tarpon programs, whether that's in the ocean or, or in the the river. I mean, we have our our season coming up now, and luckily we've rebounded from from the pandemic, and we're we're pretty much maxed out full for the season. So it's it's great for everybody. It's great for for us guides. It's great for the the locals that we work with. Um, in that area, we do a lot of um, community engagement. So besides just training, we we try to do lunches and breakfasts and dinners with a lot of different families, just to to make sure that all the people there have a little bit of skin in the game, that they're they're involved, that they're benefiting, and and that they they take conservation uh, to heart. And is that the conservation piece? Is that a is that a big struggle out there? I mean, you hear these stories about some of those areas down in you know kind of Central America, wherever you know where there's some, they're hammering on the environment. Is there still a lot of issues there? Um, luckily, Costa Rica is pretty eco eco minded, and I, I mean I think we get about ninety percent of our our energy from renewables. So, I mean, it's definitely one of those countries that's incredibly focused on conservation and on eco. Um, unfortunately, just I think like everywhere else, sometimes resources for conservation are a little bit limited. Um, so even though there is a national park, some national parks maybe don't get as much protection as they should. Um, but still, I, I think all in all, we, we definitely have a country that 
that's pretty pretty focused on you know keeping the rivers healthy, keeping the ocean healthy, keeping the fish populations and and all different animal populations. I mean, we don't we don't allow hunting in Costa Rica. Or the the government doesn't allow hunting here. So it's 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 one of those places that I I think is is definitely focused on on keeping the nature that we have instead of instead of maybe exploiting it. Right. Right. That's perfect. And, and that's where the jungle tarpon reserve comes in. And that I've heard, I mean, obviously that's a pretty, uh, that's a name you hear a lot of out there. They're doing some pretty good work. And are you guys, you know, how's that work? So that's, are you actually working with them doing some, some of their research? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the area that we fish tarpon. That's our program. And, um, and the, the research that we're doing there, especially on the jaguars, all the different terrestrial mammals. I, I mean, that's, that's something that we do because uh, it abuts to a national park, uh, a nationally protected area. So that that's together with the with the national park office there. Um, so they also can take some of our data and, and understand it and, and sort of focus their their resources and what they have on on the most important things that they need to be doing. Yeah, and and on the the tarpon, you, there's a couple of different places you could fish. Do you recommend? Is it you know is one I guess better than the other? You know the jungle versus heading out further. It's very different. I mean, the the jungle fishing it's it's a little bit more sight fishing. So you're you're finding fish that are either rolling in the lagoons um, and leading those with floating lines, or you're finding them eating the river. And you you present your fly really a lot like a, a streamer. I mean, I, I get a lot of fishermen from from Europe where they maybe don't have that much saltwater experience, but they fish salmon, they fish sea trout, and they they understand it right away because it's just. It's something that they've done before, even though as soon as the tarpon eats, you know, they don't know the, the strip set and bow to the king and all those things. But yeah, but they do understand the, the technicalities of, of swinging, swinging a fly into a feeding fish. Um, and, and then in terms of fishing the ocean, it's it's I mean, you can fish intermediate some days, but a lot of time it's sink tips. But I mean, it's one of those places that if you just want numbers, you can hook up to many, many fish from 60 to well over a hundred pounds every day. So it's, it's, it's definitely one of those places that, you know, you're not, it's not Florida Keys style where you're seeing them coming in a, in a chain and you're presenting to the lead fish or anything like that. But at the same time, in terms of numbers, in terms of opportunities to land fish, and then we do a program that that's half and half. So we do half in the jungle, uh, in the jungle river and then half in the ocean. So it gives you the opportunity to experience both fisheries. Today's episode is sponsored by Bear Vault, keeping Wild Adventure going and assuring your backcountry trip stays memorable, safe, and epic this year. Bear Vault builds a rugged polycarbonate locking canister that keeps bears and other critters out of your food. This is a, uh, a clear uh, canister. It has a wide opening so easily you can easily access your gear or your equipment, whatever you want to put in. We had an episode we did a while back, and we even have a guest that put packed on the way out, packed his poop in, in the bear vault. So that's another thing you can uh, you can do. I guess you got to have some, some plans there how to do it, but that's always part of the deal, right, in the backcountry, packing out your uh, your excrement. Um, but believe it or not, food storage is a key consideration in the backcountry, whether hiking, fishing, or camping. Bear vault, um, they do it all when it comes to food. They're leading the way. So check them out right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash bear vault, B-E-A-R-V-A-U-L-T. And, uh, and you will support this podcast by clicking through that link. Okay, back to the show. Let's run down, just uh, kind of rehash back through the species. So 
So we talked about tarpon, which would be really cool. I mean, I could see, you know, just that a full trip on that. Like you said, split it in half and half. Um, we talked about the, the Menchaca, which are up there. We talked about the rainbows. And uh, what was the mountain? What was the other one we talked uh, about earlier on? The mountain mullet. It's the Tepe Michin. Yeah, mountain mullet. And, and that, that actually means uh, fish from the wild. In one of the yeah one of the indigenous languages, uh, Tepe Michin, fish from the wild. So it's it's just um, yeah very special little guy. There you go. So you got that, and then we talked about some of the the billfish and things going on out there. What else? What other species are we missing here that we haven't we haven't touched on? Um, there's uh, the wolf cichlid or the the rainbow bass. Um, hmm. Oh yeah, known locally as the guapote. So that's that's a fish that. Um, the numbers aren't as high as they used to be, but at the same time, there's still rivers that have plenty of them, and um, and that's an amazing fish. I mean, it's it's sort of as close to peacock bass as we get here. Um, greens and blues and purples, very very beautiful fish, and and those are fished similar to to machaca, but using uh, small poppers and and small streamers. So some of the rivers you can you can fish both. You can fish machaca and you can fish guapote. Gotcha. Maybe that'd be good to break down just uh, as far as the jungle type species. Uh, give, give us that little summary again. So just so we can organize this a little bit. Okay. So the jungle freshwater, I guess it's um, machaca on, on both coasts, guapote on both coasts. Uh, the guapote is the rainbow bass. And then uh, lesser species, you have uh, the, the mountain mullet, which is the tepe machin. And then you have a couple other different types of cichlids and, and a yep. fish that's called a moga, but... Really, just like all sorts of stuff. Smallish, yeah, smallish tropical panfish, and yep. then um, and then you have a, a grunt-like fish called a roncador, which it's it's not really easy to target. But one of the rivers, or a couple of the rivers on, well, I guess on both coasts, they they also have snook migrations that come up. Hmm. So so at certain times of year, you can target snook in certain key spots. So fishing machaca, fishing guapote, and all of a sudden, you know, throw a streamer and try to catch a couple small snook, and then keep going and. Oh, nice. And continue fishing whatever you're fishing for. Right. How do you spell that? The, the Runcula? Runcarla? Runcador. So it's uh, R-O-N-C, Runca, C-A-D-O-R. D-O-R, yeah. Okay. D-O-R, yeah. yeah. And they, they make that like grunt noise, kind of like a jack where you, you catch them and they, they kind of bark you a little bit. Gotcha. So, so there's seven and those are all, yeah, like you said, there's different, you know, smaller species, but there's seven right there that are kind of, and you could, well, you could add tarpon, I guess, right to the more, to the jungle as well. Tarpon's definitely, uh, they migrate into that freshwater ecosystem. So you got that going and so you got that and then you've got all this stuff going out in the ocean and we could add on the, the rooster fish, right. And some of the other, what, what are, let's just go to the top. What are the big species people think about when they think more out, out there in the ocean? Um, I would say rooster fish, jacks, um, snapper, a couple different types of snapper. Obviously, yellowfin tuna is a big one. And recently, the government's been a little bit better about allowing international tuna boats coming in. So the tuna populations are, are definitely growing, especially a little bit closer to shore. Um, and that's just a blast, finding giant schools with, with dolphins of, of yellowfin tuna ranging from, I don't know, 20 to 50 pounds and and trying to get one to eat a fly. I mean, they're so fast. It's, it's very hard, but it's definitely doable. And then, um, and then the billfish, I mean, the, the sailfish, the, the blue marlin, some black marlin inshore, that's, that's a little bit more, more tricky. And then some stripes, but, but really blue marlin sailfish, those, are the, the two big boys. There you go. Perfect. And I was just thinking uh, fly wise, you know, uh, rainbows, we didn't really dig into all that, but what, what do you, what do you use in there? What's your selection look like for those fish? 
I mean, it's pretty standard. Um, you know, beadhead, beadhead nymphs, um, smaller generic dry flies, and then um, if you just want to kind of target them in the easiest possible way, or I guess the most effective possible way, it's hopper dropper. Yeah. Um, so just a, yeah, you're getting a little bit of both. Okay. And uh, and the the tarpon reserve, I just want to touch on that really quick. So it sounds like there's some great things going on there, protecting all the species. But you know, if somebody wanted to dig into that a little bit, what what would you recommend? Who you know, if they want to learn more about how they can kind of contribute or learn about it. Um, we have a lot of information on our website, so that's flyfishingcostarica.com. Um, and then some of the studies that we're doing, they're not public yet, but hopefully they become public soon in terms of the JAG studies and whatever else. But, but if you look at our Instagram page and if you look online, we have, um, we have some of those videos on there. Um, so you, you can sort of experience what it, what it's like when a Jaguar walks past you at three feet, you know, kind of looks, looks you right in the eye. Wow. It's definitely, it's an amazing thing. I mean, I, obviously it's through the camera, but yeah, but it's still, you, you can just see the power and, you know, the, the muscles rippling underneath the the spotted coat they're they're pretty incredible and so are those videos out there online somewhere yeah we have them on our instagram page some of them um still trying to figure out exactly how we're going to release the rest i'm sure at some point we have i mean we have lots to release last year we had actually two two jaguars they decided that our camera or in front of our camera was their their lovemaking area so <laughs> they spent a week and a half there um i mean imagine this we the, the camera takes 15 second clips and edited together, I have a 20-second mini film on just them doing their their thing in front of the camera. So wow. it's, I mean, it, that's just in, in terms of something that maybe has never been filmed like that before. Definitely not in Costa Rica or in Central America. It's it's pretty incredible. So you know, a lot of those videos, I'm sure, will come out at some point. Oh wow! And we'll, we'll share them with the world. This is it. Yeah, we were talking about that off there. The the planet Earth. You know, that was. Uh... That was huge. And some of those people that did, when they did that, you know, they spent months sometimes camped out to get the right shot, right? Sort of thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Luckily, we don't have to spend that that time in the the elements. We can just put our cameras out there and and they do the hard work for us. Right. Right. That's good. Nice. Well, what else? We, we missed anything here? We've kind of given a, a general kind of brush over Costa Rica. Anything else you want, we'd like people to know about what you guys do up there and kind of, you know, why people would want to head out there? Um, I mean, I guess just stating the obvious that Costa Rica is just an amazing destination besides fly fishing for, for everything else, for beaching, uh, for beaches, for ecotourism, um, lots of different, you know, opportunities for, for canopy and for whitewater rafting and, um, and then obviously bird watching, wildlife watching. It's one of those places that even if you're not hundred percent fly fishing, or if you want to do a trip, that's a little bit more diverse, or if you want to travel with your family, it's. It's definitely one of those destinations that it's easy to get to from, from pretty much the entire U.S., pretty much the entire world at this point. And um, it, it's just got lots of, of diversity. So, I mean, whether you want to just dive head on, do tarpon for a week and nothing else, and, you know, maybe once in a while get, get a quick monkey encounter, or if you want to do a little bit of everything or bring your family and fish just for a day or two or, or try to get your, your son or daughter involved in fly fishing, it's, it's, it's definitely it's a destination that has a little bit for everybody. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen a couple of photos. I'm not sure if that was your your kid. Or I've seen some kids out there, right, getting into some fish, and um, and you know, I think it was some machaca, right? Yeah, I, actually, I got um, the machaca. Um, yeah, I actually, um, I'm, I'm waiting for the certificate, but I, I'll be releasing those photos. My five year old just got uh, the small fry world record on machaca. The small so fry. That was, yeah, small fry. He's five years old. We had him 
in the backyard training with his his younger brother, three-year-old. So he was practicing casting. Uh, he was practicing fighting the fish. The three-year-old was pulling on the, the fly line. He was trying to control him. And then to get a world record, you obviously have to do everything by yourself. With fly fishing, you have to cast, you have to hook them, you have to fight them. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't touch him. I couldn't touch the the rod. All I could do was net them. So it was it was definitely an accomplishment for him. It took wow. an entire day to, to finally get one. Um, and then in the afternoon, we got a couple. So it, he was very, very excited. But yeah, but yeah, it's one, it's one of those things that, you know, if he can do it, anyone can do it. That's it. No, I love it. And this is uh, perfect. And the more you talk, you mentioned family. You know, I think that would be a cool way to do it, you know, where it seems like a place that you could take the family down just to say, hey, like we're saying, go go in January, pick a day where it's it's going to be, you know, maybe a little bit colder and head down and then have the family, you know, hang out, fish or just hang out. And is there a time if you mentioned if you want to, you know, kind of get down with the family, when would you recommend? Is there a better time to to do other things if it wasn't all fishing? I mean, I would say definitely in our dry season, there, there are certain periods to maybe avoid if you can. Um Right at the end of December, Christmas, New Year's, that's a very, very busy time of year, so really expensive and, and usually booked well well in advance. And then also Semana Santa, which is the Easter week, the Holy Week. That's another one where all basically the entire country goes to the beach, all the yep. the, the Costa Ricans or the okay. Ticos. So it's it's probably another period that you maybe want to avoid unless you, you don't mind a crowd. Yeah. Um, but in terms of just family escaping the wintertime, I would definitely say any time from – really December until April. It's a great time to be in Costa Rica. It's, it doesn't rain. Beautiful, beautiful beaches, beautiful rivers. Yeah. Um, and, and lots of, lots of things going on. So is the beach, you, you can get to the beach and do it. Like if you just wanted to do like the, uh, the Hawaii type thing, right? Where you just sit on the beach for the whole time. You could do that and be loving it and swimming and doing all that. Yeah. Costa Rica has, in my opinion, some of the, the best beaches in the world. There you go. So you're, you're, you're drawing up the trip. So now we've, we've talked a lot about fishing, but really coming back to this, you know, with the family that makes it, you know, for some people it might make it even more doable, right? Because you can, you can actually pitch and say, well, you know, this isn't just me going on another fishing trip. It's actually, we're doing the family thing and, and all that stuff. Absolutely. Do you guys get more, um, you know, I'm sure it's more fishing, but what percentage of, of people coming up there are kind of doing the family thing and fishing? Um, I think that it, it used to be a little bit more just hardcore people, um, mainly because we focused on certain species, but now as we're opening it up to, to all different types of species like trout, like machaca, um, we, we get a lot of people that are new to it or, um, I mean, we, we love getting people that have never caught a tarpon and that's their mission for the week or have never caught a sailfish and, but they really want to just tick that off the bucket list. So it's, yeah. It's, it's sort of growing that we're, we're getting a lot more people that are either doing it for a day within a week-long vacation or they're new to a certain type of fishing, but we'll take them and we'll, we'll show them and, and hopefully we'll, we'll accomplish their dream with them. Right. And what's the tar- and go back to the tarpon again. What, what's the timing on the tarpon? I know there's a, d- a lot of variation there, but are, what are we hitting up there? Tarpon in the river, it's from August until December. And then there's for the ocean, it's it's basically uh, August, September, October because that's when we have low wind periods. Some of those those areas you have to get out through a a river mouth. I mean, there's not like a big inlet like in in some places around the world. It's sort of a jungle river mouth that if you have waves, it can be a little bit sketchy and and you wouldn't want to do it. So that that's August, August, September, October, and then there's a small weather window in May as well. Oh, in May. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically, yeah, the January, that, that time wouldn't be that great. January, February, March wouldn't be great. 
I mean, if you can be flexible with your trip, there are definitely periods that two or three days in advance, you can make a wind call and say, okay, the wind's going to be good. Let's go. Or I'm sorry, it's going to be a little bit too, too dangerous. We have to change that part of the trip. So it's, it's not something that we like to book in advance outside of those, those perfect periods for, for the ocean tarpon fishing, but, um, but it's definitely possible if you're, if you're flexible. Gotcha. So, so again, going back to, you can just say, Hey, you know, we want to come, we've got a week in, in February. It's like, we're going to come here in February. And then basically in that time, there's, there's out of all these species, we could find at least a couple of species to, to hit up. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Well, this has been good. We talked a little bit. I, you know, I always love to leave it off on a couple of random ones. We, we mentioned uh, coffee and, you know, before we actually mentioned the Ecuador thing. I think we were kind of off air when we talked about this, but we were mentioning, cause I had a, an episode, uh, we had a couple that we talked about Ecuador and didn't talk about the fact that, um, sport fishing is illegal, uh, down there. Um, and, and just talk about it cause I, that's interesting cause I want to make sure we cover this just so people know, um, that you can't just go down to Ecuador and necessarily do the same thing you can do in Costa Rica. What, can you describe that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, and this is just from talking to a couple different people down there that, um, basically it's illegal to sport fish. It's illegal to catch and release fish. Um, and it, it's actually a, a rule that they're trying to pass now. I do a lot of work in Columbia as well in, in a peacock bass river and also in the ocean. Um, they're, they're trying to do the same thing where it, sport fishing, catch and release fishing would become illegal based on, I guess, ethics. Um, but, but I think in both destinations, they're, they're looking at the pros and the cons. And a lot of those pros are, you know, local benefits and, and reasons to conserve different ecosystems and keep those fish populations healthy. So I, I, I think that, um, even though there is a, a rule in state in, in Ecuador right now, and, and there's, um, they're trying to pass the same type of law in, in Colombia. I, I think that those types of laws, um, hopefully they're, they're going to go away and allow sport fishing and, and continue to benefit local people and, and those types of things. But yeah. Yep. And that's the, the, you'd think that, well, I, yeah, we don't have time. Maybe we don't necessarily need to dig into all that on the politics, but let's talk about just quickly as we take it out of here, the group, uh, what you're doing for the local communities, right? And this is when you were mentioning this, I was kind of thinking there's some other groups that are doing, there's at least one, I think, uh, like the, uh, the Indie Fly um, f- folks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So that's a similar thing, I think, idea. But basically, talk about what you're doing there and with the local indigenous people. And and as you talk about that, I also want to dig into a little bit to talk about how if people can connect to the communities while they're there. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I guess to, to answer the second question first, connecting with the local communities, I, I mean, all the guides that I work with and almost all my destinations are locals. I, I've always found that the best way to, to really make sure that you have sort of that, that, that conservation in place is to, to find your local stewards, make them stewards, make them guides, make them believe that they're actually making a difference and obviously put some money in their pocket. Um, and in terms of the, the trainings and, and those types of things, I, I mean, I, I started doing trainings here in Costa Rica and now I've, I've started to do trainings in Colombia. We're looking at one next year in, in Bolivia and then um, maybe one in Ecuador that, that sort of is, is long-term. But um, again, it's, it's looking at local people. It's making sure that that they're the ones that are most involved in in their their own backyard, benefiting from the resources that they have, um, but also active in in conserving those resources and, and bringing outsiders in and having that cultural exchange. So, I've actually had the uh, the Indie Fly guys down here and oh cool in Co- in Costa Rica. Yeah, they 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 came down and sort of we did like a, a meeting of the minds and they came yep. to the Jungle Tarpon Reserve and so I, I've met them. They do wonderful work as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's Oliver White, I guess, was the 
kind of started that up. And I think Oliver yep. is actually, yeah, I think he's like in Idaho now, getting back to his old his roots, right? I think he's back there uh, now. But uh, yeah, no. I, think, I think he had a he may have had a baby. And oh, is that what it was? Yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. But that's right. No, it, 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 that's a wonderful time. I mean, I have, I have two kids, and oh, cool. And that that early early family time, there's there's nothing more special. Yeah. That's right. How do you, when you're working with the local people, get, getting the, um, this is kind of a random tangent, but like the money in their pocket, how does that work with the, the, uh, mo- the money in their pocket, the amount of money, right? Like, is it, is it a similar, is it similar to, you know, like I know cause I've worked with some folks up in the Philippines and it's always like, well, you know, a dollar goes a lot further there than it does in some other areas. How, how does that work with, um, you know, that area in Costa Rica with the local folks? Um, I mean, to give you an idea, money in their pocket, I, here in Costa Rica, it's actually relatively expensive, the cost oh, right. of living. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I, and I don't know if that's an influence of maybe being partially dollarized, even though we're not, but we have so many tourists here. Um, we also, we also have pretty high taxes. So it's, it's definitely not like Colombia or Mexico where you get there and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, I just paid $3 for this incredible meal and a couple right. beers and whatever else. I, yeah. So it, so definitely the cost of living and, you know, um, the, the salaries, they're, they're a little bit higher, but it's um, just making sure that you pay people fairly. And then obviously a lot of my guides here, I, they, they started with nothing and they'd show up with rubber boots and whatever else. And now, yeah. you know, they show up at work and they have Yeti backpacks and all the, the gear. And I've worked with a lot of those, those industry partners and make, making sure that, that people who are going to be out in the environment every day look the part as well. And, and they, they feel professional and they feel proud that, I am a fly fishing guide. I know my my craft, and and people can respect me. That's it. Yeah, shout out to to Yeti. I actually had a. They were at the uh, the IFTD, and they were giving out like um, you know coffee mugs, right, for business. You had to pay. You have to donate. I think it was like donating like whatever money to Bristol Bay. I think that was the thing they were. Working oh, that's on. great. Yeah. That's but yeah, another... the cups. The cu- again to, to Yeti. You know what you'd expect. That you know it's not like they just gave you some coffee cup. I mean, the ones they're giving out are these coffee cups that pretty much keep your stuff warm all day long. I don't know. They got some oh. tech. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Some some of my clients, especially in the multi day destinations, we have Yeti Yeti mugs for coffee in the morning. I, that's the frequent complaint where they get to the boat after half an hour of drinking their coffee and. They still haven't been able to take a sip, and it's like, could you make your coffee a little <laughs> bit less hot tomorrow? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they're complaining it's working too good. Yeah. So, so this is good. Okay. Well, we're. Um, I think. I think we're good. The only, the only other note I kind of had on here was the Tenkara, and that was kind of interesting because I know not everybody has done Tenkara knows about, it. and you're kind of I think connected or affiliated with some of that, folks. Are you guys doing that? Is like like, like for the trout fishing, or, or just if people are interested? Yeah, for the trout fishing, a little bit for the machaca, but mainly for the trout. Um, we work with a company called Zen Tenkara, which um, the the head of that company, she's doing all kinds of sort of progressive things, I guess, in the Tenkara world, trying to catch bonefish and permit and all oh, nice. things that in the past have never been targeted with Tenkara. But, um, but for our rainbow trout fishery, I mean, it's just perfect. It's a small stream, pocket water. I, I mean, just like you hop from boulder to boulder. It's, it's very, very easy with Tenkara. And then uh, obviously with, with having people come that are maybe new to fly fishing, a Tenkara rod is just one of the easiest ways to learn and, and catch a fish right away. Yeah, that's it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to leave everything else till the next one. Uh, and we'll, uh, you know, I guess just looking ahead here now, let's just think this is kind of, you're going to be like mid July kind of going into August. Um, how, how does the next, the rest of this year look for you? What do you guys, anything new or anything you want to give a heads up on? Um, I mean, we're, we're starting our tarpon season. So we're going to be in the jungle from here until about Christmas time. It's, 
it's an exciting time. It's a sort of a tiring time because it's also quite rainy. I mean, this this is the rainy season, but but it's a great time. I mean, we're just in that jungle environment chasing big tarp, and it's it's fun to be out there and be muddy and wet and. And just in the elements every day. In the and it's still. What's it like uh, temperature wise during the rainy season? Oh, it's it's still hot. I mean, and the, the the beauty of Costa Rica is that even though you get rain every day or or sun every day, I mean, it's it's one of those places that you know if you don't like the weather, wait a couple minutes. It's it's usually just a passing storm and yeah, and then the sun comes out and dries everything off again. Right, right. That's it. That's it. So perfect. All right. Well, this has been good, Tom. I'm glad we kind of touched the surface on a lot of these species and gave a broad yeah, stroke. Yeah, thanks but so much, Dave. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back around here at a later point, but uh, we'll send everybody out to flyfishingcostarica.com. And, and what was your other site? We didn't dig into all your other locations, obviously, but what, what's are you still doing at the Release Travel? Release Fly Travel. Yeah, that, that website's still up there. It's um, it's basically now becoming a little bit more of a, a, a company that's organized or that's focused on uh, community-based projects. Uh, whether that be training or just pushing destinations that are that are truly sustainable, helping local people. So it, that's still there. That's releaseflytravel.com. Yeah, release and then yeah, yeah, the Costa Rica is it's flyfishingcostarica.com, and it's the same on Instagram, flyfishingcostarica. Okay, perfect. All right, all right. Thanks for uh, taking the time and uh, digging in today, and we'll we'll keep in touch with you, and we'll try to put together. Uh, yeah, we'll try to talk about that trip and maybe get some people heading your way. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. And I guess uh, we have to end this with what Costa Ricans say, basically for everything, thank you, please, hello, goodbye. So that's Pura Vida. Oh, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. I like that. I'm going <laughs> to remember that. Pura Vida. Okay, perfect. And that's uh, in, in the local community, again, looking at the Pura Vida, I'm just thinking like Por Favor, right? Which is like, I'm probably totally throwing some random stuff in there. But what is the local uh, kind of uh, language out there? Uh, Spanish, Spanish. It's all Spanish. So you don't have any yeah, indigenous, and, um, very small Costa Rica because it was in between bigger civilizations has some indigenous populations, but not, not as, not as big as certain parts of South America and, and a little bit further North and in, in Guatemala and yeah. Mexico. So that's good. So that's another reason why Costa Rica makes it pretty easy. I'm sure just like a lot of places, the, a lot of people speak English, but also Spanish is pretty, pretty common as well. Spanish is pretty common. And I, I feel that almost everywhere you go in Costa Rica, tourism has been such a, a major economic driver for so long. Almost everyone speaks a little bit of English. And if they don't, Costa Ricans, you know, they're just amongst the friendliest people in the world. So perfect. they have no problem giving you a big smile and helping you out. All right. All right, Tom. Well, thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Take care. So there it is. Another one in the books. Wetflyswing.com slash 340. 340 will get you the links, show notes, and some bonus, some bonus videos, maybe. Some bonus content over there. Check out the blog. A uh, quick listener shout out before we get out of here, Adam Hortonberry. Adam reached out on uh, Instagram. We chatted a little bit. He noted the uh, Everglades uh, episode that he'd love to see. So we're working on that. Adam, just want to say thanks for uh, connecting there and appreciate your support. Uh, definitely uh, always good to connect with listeners of the show. Uh, if you want to connect with me, you can head over to the website right now. You can send me an email, dave at wetflyswing.com or check in with me on the social media web. That's another uh, good place to do it. We got this trivia night challenge going. This trivia is a way that we are kind of trying to give back, give some free fly tie-in uh, swag. So if you're into some fly tie-in tools, some uh, miscellaneous, Togans has you covered here. Uh, you can answer this week's trivia question at wetflyswing.com slash trivia. That's uh, trivia is the way you can do it. Just go there really quick. 
uh, enter your email and then we'll send out some stuff if you're chosen for a winner. And we're going to be doing more of those drawings coming up this year as we continue to get organized. Man, did you catch that episode we did with Henry Winkler a while back? Um, this one is stretching out for me. It was uh, an epic uh, kind of a a, a little bit different since we're, we're dealing with somebody who's more of a uh, an actor uh, kind of movie star than anything else. But um, it was just hitting home as I was thinking today. I was watching, um, checking out a little bit of his past work, checking out the show Barry, um, which is pretty uh, intense and good. So anyways, um, we, we, we are rolling out of here and we've got some good stuff um, coming up here. I don't really have, uh, know exactly what the next episode, but I think we might have a fly tying episode coming up here maybe with the Semper Fly folks. So stay tuned for that. Again, follow us uh, on social. That's the best way to get updated when we get the new episode and the best way for you uh, to get the content you need. I'd love to hear from you. Take time and stop right now if you can. Real easy. Uh, Dave at wetflyswing.com. Just send me an email. Let me know you've uh, you've been listening here to the very end. I always love to hear that. And uh, and yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it. We're rolling along here. If, uh, if you want to connect do it now otherwise i hope you have a good day hope you have a good evening or good morning wherever you are and looking forward to seeing you on the river or maybe online thanks for listening to the wet fly swing fly fishing show for notes and links from this episode visit wetflyswing.com